the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview, America. It's Hugh Hewitt with David Bossy, my guest today. David is one of the triumvirs of free speech in America, along with Chief Justice Roberts, Leader Mitch McConnell. David Bossy actually is responsible for the free and fair dialogue we have in America because of his case, Citizens United, he brought in 2010. He is now a member of the Republican National Committee, as well as one of America's preeminent consultants. And at the RNC, is overseeing debate reform. David, good morning. Great to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning. Have you ever been introduced as one of the triumvirs of free speech before? <laughs> I was about to say that's the first. That was, well, that that's was a good one. I'm going to have you introduce me everywhere. That's yeah, triumvir. I like that. Uh, David, last week, Rana McDaniel told me that you are the chair of the committee in charge of reforming the debate process. Uh, expand on that for a little bit for us. Well, yeah, uh, it is. A, it's a big uh, responsibility, to be honest with you. Rana asked me to do it. Uh, what that means is, as the chairman of the committee, I get to uh, participate with Rana and, and our quite small committee. It's myself and 12 others. Uh, Anne Hathaway is my co-chair. Uh, she is the uh, uh, committee woman from Indiana. Uh, and we, w- w- our job is, our responsibilities are, and are to oversee not only the primary debates and how the Republican, the RNC, will establish the, the, the rules and scheduling and locations and participations, participation uh, uh, of the primary debates, but it's also to work with and uh, make the general election debate process fair for the Republican Party. So we, we have a it's a it's a kind of a, uh, a two step process, but we're actually beginning the general election debate process, you know, really early uh, this time. Now, David, Chairman Chairwoman McDaniel told me you have to be done with this by the end of the 22 cycle because the rules have to be in place before the beginning of the 24 cycle. That's really compressed. Can you get your work done and your rules put in place? Well, we think so, but but it's it's really not just up to us. We, We are looking at the Presidential Debate Commission uh, as the those that's the party that the American people you know trust to be neutral uh, in this process uh, when it comes to the three general election debates for the presidential nominees and the vice presidential debate and we 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 we, we haven't seen in recent cycles them being fair uh, to the Republican nominee and so we are starting now. Um, 
and, and, and it's, a, it's going to be a long process. It's going to take us all the way through probably January of 2023 to get this done. But we're working on it digitally. It, it, is, it is a very uh, complicated thing because we have a lot of complaints. And if you want to, we can go through them from the, from the scheduling to the moderators uh, to their arbitrary changes of the rules. But I think, you know, you, you, you saw yourself uh, just sitting at home uh, what happened in the 2020 and in the 2016 cycle with the Presidential Debate Commission. And the 2012 cycle and the 2008 cycle. Going back as long as I have remembered, they have been partisan and bent to the Democrats. I'll come back to the PDC, which I think is now thoroughly exposed as an illegitimate arbiter of what is fair and has to be done away with or reformed from top to bottom. Let me deal with the primaries, though, David. How would you assess the network news uh, treatment of our primary debates and their control of the process. Sean Spicer and Reince Priebus began a reform process. I was part of that in the 2016 cycle, but I don't think it's gone near enough, uh, far enough. What do you think? I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, what uh, uh, Reince Priebus did in, in 20, uh, looking back at 20, uh, well, actually 2008 and 2012, they tried to make some reforms in twenty uh, in twenty sixteen, but we we and we had, we didn't have a primary process obviously in the twenty twenty cycle. So it's been a little while. We we have to not allow bad actors uh, to infiltrate our debate process. And what I mean by that is moderators who aren't really trying to ask questions to make the candidates the front front and center. They're making themselves the front and center, number one. And number two is they're asking questions really not to impact Republican primary voters, but to have gotcha questions and answers for the general election debate, because they all want to see their question and answer uh, played during the general election. And that's not what this is about. Our, our job uh, as the RNC is to establish the rules uh, so that we're going to have participants who are going to be fair, who are going to be transparent, and we're going to have moderators who, are, who have no biases. And, and if that's us having to not allow uh, people who want to participate as moderators or networks who want to participate in, as, as a host, we're not going to allow it. And we're done uh, as a committee. I will just say we're done as a committee. Uh, I hear it from... The, 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 the members of the Presidential Debate Committee that I serve on, but I hear it from all 168 members of the RNC. They are fed up with what we've had to put up with. Now, David Bossi, I can tell you from having been inside the so-called clean rooms, I know how these debates, I know how the sausage is made. And I've asked the question, President Trump still gives me a hard time about my nuclear triad question, but he's, given, he's forgiven me at the end of the day. He said it's an okay question. But I've seen what happened, and we need center-right people to ask questions that a center-right audience wants asked, not birth control by George Stephanopoulos of Mitt Romney in 2012. That's the all-time exhibit in the hall of bias in debates. So I would take the networks out. If, if you have not asked, but I'm volunteer, I would just fire the networks and hold the debates according to a schedule that the RNC puts together, pick your moderators, including yours truly, and then invite a network or two to carry them, and you make the money from them. Can we look forward to something like that? I think you're headed down exactly the right path, and, and we, I completely agree with what you just said. The other part of it, Hugh, is, is that 
the times are, have changed, right, where we don't need to count on just the networks. There are so many opportunities out there, so many uh, platforms out there that we can go to and partner with to get the message out to exactly what you said, the center-right audience, that Republican primary uh, voters and Republican primary candidates uh, for the nomination for president want to participate in, and, and, and it's valuable for them to participate in. We, the days of being beholden to, well, we need to, we need to partner with MSNBC uh, or CNN uh, because, uh, you know, they're the only game in town. Those days are long gone. And they should never come back. And there are enough center-right journalists, and I can lay them out. Mary Catherine Hamm, Guy Benson, Hugh Hewitt, Ben Shapiro. I could just go down the whole list of people who will ask tough, pointed questions that are not softballs, that really put questions that we want. I want to ask people about Taiwan and whether we'll defend Taiwan. I'm asking all the candidates that. So, David, have you got a list? Are you checking it twice of people who will be moderating? Because that's what it comes down to. It's got to be the moderators have got to be fair. No agenda. And I, I can tell you some stories from inside the clean room that would make your hair stand up. Yeah, I, I, the answer is we're, we're really early in, in this process. But you're exactly right. We are going to have moderators, as you just described. We're going to have people who aren't biased who will ask just tough, probing questions, uh, trying to get elicit the answers that Republican primary voters want, not not to make themselves the star, but to lift up uh, the candidates and, and 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 whoever that those candidates may be, and that's that's the that's really the job of the host of the debate and the moderators of the debate is to disappear in essence, right? To ask tough questions and make it about the candidates. And that's what we've lost. We, we have these TV stars, right, that try to become the story, that become the news. And that's, that's just not what it, it should be about, and, and it's certainly not going to be about that. And, and so you listed a, a host of people. We, you know, you and I, a lot of these people are, are our friends, and we know them. And we, you and I could come up with a terrific list, dozens, dozens of people. Um, and, and, and it is and that's exactly what you're going to see in the 2023 and 2024 primary debates is exactly the people um, that you are thinking about and the audience is thinking about, because uh, it, it's so important. And what I would submit to you is. This is so early in the process. I don't have the answers to a lot of the questions that, you know, you and I are just kind of bouncing around here yet. But you and I should continue this conversation uh, as we do make progress and as we do start to lay down the, the foundation and, the, and really the bedrock principles of how the committee is going to make those decisions and i'd love to just continue this conversation over time because i think your audience will see how it is going to be um and maybe they get to see a little bit of how the sausage is and they should now now david the one thing i i hope you folks are considering it was the unexpected meteor strike on the primary debates is that those 12 debates became the key turns in the election drama they were 
the primary election. That's why President Trump got the nomination. He was best at the debates by far. And he had a strategy, and it unveiled itself, and it told people about how he would communicate and what he would do. It was a tableau on which he dominated. If you start earlier and have more of them, we will generate more excitement in the party. And I'm a Republican, and everybody knows that, and I'm transparent about it. I'm still fair. But if you have 16 or 18, or you even start with small forums of would-be candidates this year, the, the networks will come. You don't have to listen to anything they say. They will show up because they need programming. People need content. Is yeah. there any idea to putting up the dates early, starting early? And, and also, well, let me ask you that. Now, I have one more question after that. Yes. The, 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 the short answer is 100% yes. We are looking at changing you know, a lot of the landscape that people are used to. Uh, but your point is... Uh, exactly right. People are di- are just dying for content, and not only content, but if you if you you juxtapose our candidates and what they would be talking about on stage with the last four months of the socialist Biden agenda, right? That's what this is about. You let's not forget it's not just us in a vacuum. It's it's our candidates talking about what Joe Biden is doing and his agenda and his administration. The, the, the danger they pose, the destruction that they are causing to our country every day, whether it's the you know, consumer price index from yesterday or the bad jobs reports or what's going on with the, 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 the Russians selling satellite equipment to Iran. We, there are so many important questions um, that our candidates, one, can be talking about and, and educating the American people. So there's a multitude of value. Uh, to starting early. And so, yes, we are in the process of of having those types of conversations. Again, we're we're really early in the process. We've only been going, you know, about 60 days. Uh, So we're just getting warmed up. But I think you're going to see in the next several months uh, some movement towards uh, trying to get those answers. So, David, last two questions. Have you ever in all your experience, and you're one of the most experienced political activists in America, have you ever heard a fair debate about Second Amendment rights or about reproductive rights that was not tilted to the left, that did not attempt to corner, disgrace, embarrass, and tilt the playing field, where the candidates actually got to talk about serious issues of personal safety in the Second Amendment or about when life should be protected in the womb? I've never heard one, never Never. once heard a serious question about these things. Never, never. And and that goes to kind of what we were talking about earlier. These these moderators, you know, ask the gotcha questions. They ask questions with with a complete bias in mind. And it shows Uh, we're not going to stand for that. And I think that by going back to what you and I were talking about of having the moderators uh, from the conservative side of the uh, aisle, it, it protects us from that because we're going to we're going to make sure uh, that moderators are are going to agree to not try to be the star of the show and not ask. They can ask any question they want. We're not going to try to do that. But it, it is going to be, you know, you won't be asked back if there if there's going to be these gotcha type style questions. And that's what you're talking about here with with the Second Amendment, with 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 the abortion issue it, these are hot questions hot topics and people want to know where the candidates stand and and so i think i think i i, I take your point exactly and we're focused on on that in a big way
Now, the hardest question that has always presented itself to the RNC is who is allowed on this stage? And to me, it should be only those candidates with a legitimate path to the nomination. That's a very ambiguous standard, but you know who it is. Ronna McDaniel would know who it is, and you know who it is. And it's a first-term congresswoman or congressman that wants to get their name in the paper and make a whole bunch of money. It's some marginal figure that represents some marginal but loud small group of people. It needs to be—we can't waste time on these people, David. They, their time sucks. Is there resolve within the committee to do that? Again, I would I would just state that that is a, um, a, a an issue that's been brought up. We haven't had a, a, any time to discuss that issue yet to dive into it. However, y- your your starting point, which is what is, will be the criteria from which people will be making the stage. Uh, the, really, the the controversial aspect is the polling data, right? Like what polls will be. Looked at which ones won't be. What are the what are the what are the samples and sample sizes and the dates and the days that those those polls are taken? Those are going to be, you know, that's a t- and, and by the way, some of it is just those are tough calls, right? I mean, you just got to you know, those are tough calls when they when they say you you didn't make the debate and then a poll comes out that shows you know, but it didn't meet the criteria in the timeline to make the decision. These are tough things and people take, you know, the candidates deserve the benefit of the doubt. And, 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 and so there would be some people, I would say, uh, there were people who said Donald Trump will never be a candidate. Donald Trump will never file. Donald Trump will never file his financial disclosure forms. Donald Trump will never do this. Donald Trump will never do that. And, and if that was the case, he would never have been taken seriously because people didn't want to take him seriously at the, from an RNC standpoint, and he would never have been been on the stage. He would never have been allowed. So we have to take seriously your exact point, which is we can't waste time uh, and energy, um, but we also can't be making a few of us making decisions uh, that affect uh, you know the big picture, and I think that we we have to we have to really err on the side of inclusion, um, but we also have to s- figure out what that standard is. What is going? How many donors? How many donors per state? How many states are you going to ask about? What is the um, you know what's the dollar figure on average? Uh, those are some of those things that make a big difference when it's and you know this, you saw this yourself. Uh, an individual, a congressman, a senator, former ambassador, wouldn't make the debate because they missed it by 0.01%. And and that's that's the arbitrary side of this uh, coin. And so we're we're going to establish those rules. Uh, God God bless. God bless George Pataki. But I used to think every time (laughs) that we gave him a question, it was an opportunity cost for the American public because he wasn't going to be the nominee. There was no path. And if there had been a group of wise men and women who were fair and had no vested interest in any candidate saying, sorry, Governor, you don't have a path, you're out. Uh, I would have I would have applauded that. Let me let me sum up, David. Hey, can I let me just say go ahead. I've been on the I have been on the other side of that, right? Like where the wise, the so-called wise men and women that are in the back room, uh, you know, smoke the back smoke, uh, smoke-filled rooms, are making decisions for us, and and I don't necessarily like that. And I'm and I, and so this is the first time where I'm I'm glad I'm really appreciative that I get to be one of the folks because I've been on the wrong end of that those decisions. So I protect. I want. I'm going to protect. 
I, I agree with you completely, but I'm going to protect to make sure that people don't get just, you know, sidelined when, when, they, do, when they could have a legitimate uh, – because our job is not to make that decision. Our job is to give them a platform. That's how I look at it. And, and so these folks – um, to, to go back to a thing we talked about earlier, if we start earlier, if we have potentially smaller forums or forums for, for folks who are yes, up-and-comers, yes. that, that can help us, right? In, so, that in, so that in December and January, right before the Iowa caucus and New Hampshire primaries, we don't have two debate stages with, you know, eight and eight or ten and ten, and we're not at that point still. It, it, yes, it, so yes. I think – to go back to our earlier conversation of starting earlier might help us solve some of these issues. So, David, is it fair to say to the network execs, and I got a lot of friends. I like Jeff Zucker. I like Sam Feith. I like all these people who work in network news. Well, but is well, it fair we, to... You're, you're hurting to bar- yourself there, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but to borrow a line, I like them. doesn't mean I, I, I admire how they did the debate. Is it fair to say to all of them a line from President Trump, you're fired? I would say everybody's fired until uh, you're told otherwise. <laughs> All right. Now, that's great. Now, about the presidential debate commission, I want to close here. It is illegitimate. It is archaic. It is a dinosaur. It needs to be put down. Uh, is that a widely shared point of view? Because it is simply broken and unfair from top to bottom. And it's a bunch of relics who continue to exert disproportionate influence on a party that has changed, on a system that has changed, on a media environment. They are the debate industrial complex. They make money from this. They have to be over, overcome. Well, your, your description is exactly right. They are archaic. We, we do need a neutral body to host uh, you know, a, 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 the, the presidential debates. Whether we can work with them and help fix the system, or have to turn to another entity is still yet to be determined. And that is one of the reasons why we started this early. We have already, I have already met with uh, Frank Ferenkoff, one of the co-chairmen of the Presidential Debate Commission, who is a former RNC chairman. Um, he and I have sat down. He, he, we agree to disagree on some things. We've, Rana, uh, our, the RNC chairman, uh, sent him a letter a week or so ago articulating several many of our real serious issues representing 74 million Americans um, that, that want answers, whether it's how do you not have a debate before voting starts? I, I just it's, 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 it, it was it, astonishing. It, it, how do you really change wanted. the rules without consulting to a campaign? How do you do that? I, it's yeah, it, it's astonishing. It, it, so I, I, and I, I look, President Trump himself caught one of their flagrant changes, unilateral changes. He, we walked on stage for the debate walkthrough prior to the last debate, and they had put up plexiglass in between the, uh, the podiums. And when the president's media savvy, he, he said, let me see show lighting and let me see what it's going to look like. It was literally a mirror image. He saw himself in the mirror, which was the plexiglass. And it is so distracting. Um, that we were that they had done that without asking the campaign, without telling, forget asking, without notifying us, and we had that taken down because it wasn't necessary. Uh, they were trying to, you know, say it was about CDC guidelines and and all of that, but it was it had it, it was more important for us to get it taken down because it was so distracting to both candidates, frankly. Uh, uh, but it, it's it's one of these things where they just make these decisions and 
they can't do that. And so whether it's the scheduling, whether it's moderator bias, which we've seen, uh, whether it is arbitrary decisions on the, that they make on their own, this is, and by the way, six out of the 10 commissioners said incredibly negative things publicly about President Trump. Yep. yep. You so, David, have, let me, let me conclude. It. This is not personal about it. This is just business. It's the business of letting the Republican Party have a fair shot at persuading the American people. This is not, like I said, I like these network executives, but they don't even have it in their genetic code to be fair. They don't know how to be fair to Republicans. So it's not personal. It's not a, a moral judgment. They just don't know. They're all Democrats. They are. And that's why we, one of the things we've asked for is term limits, you know, on, on these presidential debate commissioners. How about we have some term limits? They still have Olympia Snow and, and, you know, and Danforth on the commission. These people, are, you know, to go back to your earlier point, these people have been there for generations. We need some new blood in there to, see, to make sure that we, that we feel that it is fair. There needs to be a code of conduct with penalties for board members if they talk about it. If those six people talk about one of the candidates, it doesn't matter. We have to move the debates up. We have to have moderators with no bias. These are... These are not complicated or controversial issues. They, they're common sense, um, and we're not going to stand for it if they're not going to do it, and we'll just go elsewhere. But this, this is something that the entire 168 members of the RNC board of directors feels is 100 percent necessary. We have to answer. We have to get this done, and we have to get it done between – now and the time that we have to formulate our final rules for the 2024 cycle. David Bossie, I think Citizens United will probably be on your tombstone and in your obituary because it was that important to the First Amendment. But what you do on this committee and how you lead it, that's all go almost as equal because it comes down to who runs the United States and our national security. So Godspeed. And if I can be of help, you let me know because it's got to be fixed. It's got to be fixed. Well, let's continue this conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, David. Be well. That concludes today's episode of the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. Andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview.